right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Snake Sports Talk Show. We are live in the 702 in Las Vegas. Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook is where you can like and follow me on all social media platforms. Subscribe to the YouTube channels of the Spotlight Sports Network and the Snake Sports Talk Show. And also follow us on Spotify and on Twitter just by going under the Spotlight Sports Network. We really do appreciate all of you guys jumping on in. And by the way, I'd like to announce this news as well, and I'll be having that coming up. Um, but if you go onto the SpotlightSportsNetwork.com, all the merchandises of all of your favorite shows from your favorite colleagues and your favorite hosts, you guys get 15% off. Of all merchandise purchases, that's hats, that's t-shirts, that's masks, you name it. Any size, we've got it all. Go to the thespotlightsportsnetwork.com and purchase your gear today and get 15% off your purchases um, <clears throat> when you go on on the 28th. That all starts from September 28th through October 1st. It's a big time deal. Definitely take advantage of it. I love it. And I do appreciate and love all of you guys showing your guys' support. Um, it's honest, it's honestly the best, absolutely the best. Appreciate all of you guys. Whew, I am stacked here this morning. What's going on? Avoid what's going on. Um, I'm stacked. I'm stacked this morning. I got an awful lot really to talk about. And majority of it, of course, is in the NFL and we've got NBA finals coming up. We got everything. We've literally got everything all today. You got the NFL predictions, which will be right there at the bottom of the hour. Cannot wait for my prime predictions to come out for week three. Um, the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs, the Lightning win it in overtime. They take a commanding three to one lead. They are close to becoming Stanley Cup champions. And we'll see exactly what happens in that series. The NBA playoffs, you know, you've got the Western and the Eastern Conference finals. Boston manages to survive. The Lakers right now are pushing in closer to getting into the finals. I'll be talking a little bit more about that today. And also, we've got UFC tonight. Israel Adesanya and Paulo Costa. I will be explaining all of that all throughout this hour. It is a jam-packed Saturday hour. I cannot wait to start it. But let me go ahead and let me shift to this. Let me go ahead and start some gears today. So uh, so the NFL season has been filled with a lot of interesting news. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, I'm a fantasy football uh, type of guy myself. And I know I'm sure some of you who are watching and listening today, I'm sure some of you are as well. But man, there have been a lot of different stories. Lots and lots of different outlooks, different things we didn't even, we didn't even see coming throughout the season. Or we anticipated, but yet changed our views, changed our thoughts. And that's kind of something that has really shaped up to what the 2020 season is. One of those teams, and one player in particular, and I'm absolutely loving what I'm seeing from him, and that is quarterback Cam Newton. You know, I remembered a while back, just before the season started, we had the offseason, was not sure where everybody was going to go, and then we had the draft. So a lot of things changed. The Patriots, 
They moved on from Tom Brady. Tom then goes to uh, South Beach, goes to Tampa, joins the Bucks. The Patriots were ranting and raving about this young kid named Jared Stidham. And they were ranting and raving uh, about him for like the last couple of days. Then, of course, something happens. They then sign Cam Newton to a contract in hopes to reshape, rebuild, maybe make him better than where he was in Carolina. I honestly thought I didn't think this relationship was going to work out between him and Bill Belichick. Belichick is the type of coach that he has a system and he is strong to the system. Very strong. You give him something, he that's where you have to abide by those playbooks. He's the mover and shaker. But then the second Cam Newton comes around, it honestly felt to me like the Patriots, I've always been used to seeing for 20 years, were the type of team where you had to button up, you had to tie metaphor, you know, you had to metaphorically tighten up your tie in every game. And that was kind of how it was. Now, Cam's in the mix. And a lot of people were like, oh, I don't don't know about that. I don't know about Cam. You know, you got his fashion. uh, You had a shoulder issue. Yeah, Cam Newton, I know, coming into the league, out of college in Auburn, was a type of player. He's stocky. I mean, 6'5", 245 pounder. I mean, the guy's an absolute beast. They call him Super Cam for a reason. The only problem that I had with Cam Newton was the inconsistencies, the constant back and forth, up and down. And and, um, uh, he had one game where he was stellar. And then there was another game that he just looked like a dud. And again, I compared him to Russell Westbrook because both of them were hyper-athletic. Both of them, they bring a a humongous amount of energy when it comes to the offensive boards. Westbrook's the type of person that he charges for the rims. Cam Newton's the type of person that is not afraid to run, not afraid to take a few hits, and then he scores in for the touchdown. The only problems that they had was Westbrook can't shoot threes. Cam Newton didn't look like he was as as accurate of a thrower. And that was the big issue. But I'm looking at Cam Newton as of right now in New England. And New England is one and one. And um, I'm really liking this. I'm honestly really liking this. I've underestimated. I have. (laughs) I definitely hold myself accountable for what I thought about for the New England Patriots. Even though that I said that the defense was still going to be really good because they do have a lot of defensive specialists and different personnels. But I wasn't sure what New England's plan was going to be because they don't have superstar wide receivers. They don't have superstars in a lot of places. Now, except you put Cam Newton in at quarterback. And let me just tell you right now what he is in the regular season. He's already completed 45 of 63 passes. Completion percentage is at 71. And he's got a quarterback rating of 96. That just tells you what Bill Belichick is capable of, what New England is capable of. 
And after dealing with 20 years with Tom Brady, you know what's funny? Belichick wanted this type of shift years ago with Jimmy Garoppolo. And he even tried that with Jacoby Brissett. Before then, he did that with Matt Castle. That was one of the points that I did make about potential quarterbacks who come into New England system. And Belichick knows how to build his quarterbacks. Even though Brady has known the franchise for such a long time, no matter who was in at quarterback, Belichick knew exactly how to get them to 70% completions, um, make less mistakes, and that's just <clears throat> that's just where he sits from there. When I watch Cam Newton in two weeks, he hasn't made any mistakes. Now, granted, he's ran the football more. He's ran the football more and has not passed it a whole lot. And that's kind of something I'm seeing with Cam. I mean, he's already got four touchdowns rushing, one passing touchdown, and one pick. So he's already got five total touchdowns with a 70% completion percentage. And Belichick is using his abilities to the best extent. And like Belichick does with all of his quarterbacks, always finds out what are the flaws of his game? How can we adjust that? How can we make that for the better? I rest my case with New England. I honestly did not expect New England to be this type of team. I thought that coming into the season... Sure, they were going to win some games with Cam Newton, but I didn't expect this big of a jump and this big of an adjustment. I know it's only two weeks, and we're getting ready into week three, and I'll have my prime predictions for that. But Cam, of all quarterbacks that I've seen already, maybe this was the best opportunity that the Patriots had to take, take advantage of. Because again, Belichick tried that with Castle. He tried that with Garoppolo and Brissett. But of course, Robert Kraft was very faithful to Tom Brady. But yet, the problem was they couldn't give Tom any superstar wide receivers. They had Randy Moss at one point. But then Moss moved on. The rest of it, I mean, you build Julian Edelman. You didn't have a superstar tight end until you had Rob Gronkowski. But now... New England's really starting to shift very, very differently. Now, I'm not sure how long that this kind of relationship might last because think about it. I mean, you got Cam, who's 31. Um, I think he still has at least a couple of real good years ahead of him. But at the same time, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season carries out and pans out. But I look at New England today, and I look amongst the whole entire division in the AFC East, I mean, Buffalo, they're 2-0. and You got Miami, who's 1-1, and um, or 1-2. and um, And New England, who's 1-1, and and they're just lurking. And then you've got, unfortunately, the Jets. You know, maybe this is a different sign for New England. Maybe this is just a different sign for New England. This is basically what they're looking for, you know, for the better. It's going to be interesting. So... I think 
my outlook of New England has definitely changed since the start of the season, but I I like it. This is the type of Cam Newton I like. The type of Cam Newton who tightens up his tie metaphorically, straightens himself up, not a whole lot of mistakes. This is the type of structure Cam Newton wanted, and this is the type of quarterback that I'm sure Belichick wanted to have. The second Tom Brady, you know, getting older, getting a little brittle, needed to make that move and needed to make the change. I like this. Uh, Let me shift to this. What's going on sports highlights and what's going on major sports? Appreciate all of you guys jumping on in. If you haven't already, definitely like and subscribe and hit the bell button to get all the no- latest notifications of myself and also for other shows on the uh, the network as well. So, um, so here's the thing. We got the NBA playoffs currently going on. Lakers are leading the series. Miami is leading the series. Uh, Boston avoided a big one last night. They avoided a big one because that would have been the the ticket punched in to go into the NBA Finals. And so they're living to see another day. Um, You've got game six around the corner. So it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the game, you know, the rest of the series pans out. But this is my primal focus. Where are all of the LeBron James doubters and haters and critics all at now? Because I'll tell you this. I will never be critical of LeBron. Never. 17 seasons in the NBA season, and man, he looks like his best. Let me just tell you something about what LeBron over the years, has had to deal with and had to overcome. He had to, he had to deal with a horribly terrible franchise in Cleveland. Cleveland didn't really give him a whole lot of support. This was the first time around. They made it to the finals. They lost to San Antonio miserably. And, um, and then it was time for a change for LeBron to win and finally get a ring on his finger. What's going on, Chicago Plays? Um, so then he goes to Miami, joins the Miami regime with Chris Bosch and Dwayne Wade, Shane Battier. Uh, first year making it into the finals, lost to Dallas. But that's okay. They didn't really care as much because then they'll go in the next two times to win two NBA Finals championships. And then they would go in for, again, a fourth time. But then that's when we had Kawhi. And Kawhi was the NBA Finals MVP. Since then, LeBron... um, My thing with LeBron... And he's the type of person who is the mover and shaker. Players and coaches, everyone in the NBA moves with him. Wherever he goes and wherever his direction is, everybody's moving with him. It's interesting how, and this is what's, this is how I kind of define it. People will define power in so many ways. Because, like the great saying, with great power comes great responsibilities. But in this type of power that LeBron James has in order to be moving, no matter what the shift is, whether it's basketball 
You currently look at what's going on with the social injustices, and he's the type of person that when he sees it and when people see LeBron, they stop and they listen. That's honestly, that's that's greater power than anything I've ever seen from just from an athlete alone and not only just from a single person. But that's kind of how we've seen with LeBron. What's going on, Nathaniel? And key in the building, of course, you can always catch her on uh, 7,200 Seconds of Sports and also key in the building. She always has everything uh, about uh, Philly sports. Definitely check her out. Um, so my thing with LeBron. So after the finals loss to San Antonio and Kawhi Leonard, uh, LeBron decided to go back home and go back to, again, the worst franchise in the NBA. But then he joins Kawhi, uh, Kyrie Irving. And then they go and they throw in Kevin Love. Now, the uh, Cleveland goes into the finals multiple times. First year, they lose to Golden State. Golden State wins their championship. They get in again against Golden State. But then they finally brought the championship back to Cleveland. They finally did. <laughs> What's going on, Gang Green? Yes, we have a huge Roman Reigns fan for sure. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, you can definitely check out Gang Green David's uh, content as well. Big time New York Jets fan. Uh, and he's also a big time wrestling fan. And he's a huge fan of Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns, him and Gooley. Um, but, but the thing of it is, LeBron kept his promise, knowing that he was going to end up winning a championship and bringing it to Cleveland in his hometown of Akron. And it was a special moment. But then had to deal with the next couple of years where still no support, change of coaches. And it was just... It was just kind of at that point that LeBron... You couldn't win championships in Cleveland. You couldn't. There was no motivation. There was no direction. And the Cavs, their front offices was just terrible. So then we come to the Lakers. First year, missed the playoffs. First time in a long time that there is a playoff without LeBron James. Second year, this next year. And this year currently. He comes out with serious fire. They go and trade for Anthony Davis, give him a really good number two, or it's the other way around. AD's one, LeBron's two, however way you want to look at it. And then they go and get somewhat of a bench. The Lakers started catching fire through the first of the season. And then, of course, you know, you start, you start to talk about Kawhi with the Clippers. You start to talk about um, the Nuggets. You talk about the Jazz. Lots of teams in the Western Conference were stacking up. And Golden State was hit with huge losses. They lost Clay Thompson for the rest of the year. Steph Curry came back shortly after you know an injury, but still Golden State was like, okay, we're just going to take a back seat. No, no harm, no foul. So then here we are at this position. What's interesting about LeBron? And he's the type of person that no matter what the cast of characters he has, he always tries to figure out exactly how to really make this work. And he has been giving a ton of breaks. A ton of breaks all throughout this season. You know what's the big break that he had? 
So they didn't really make too many trade moves by the time we were in the trade deadline. Then, of course, the pandemic hit and it shut everything down. Here was the break. Pandemic hits. Everybody goes home. Quarantines. LeBron keeps himself healthy 110% and he keeps working out and he just keeps on moving. Okay. He's 110% healthy. That's a big break. Here's another big break. You talk about the teams you face. Okay. The bubble comes back. They have the proposal. They're in Orlando. They then face off against Portland and Damian Lillard. I honestly thought that series was going to end up going to seven. Because knowing Damian Lillard and knowing the cast that he has, and Carmelo Anthony, I thought this was a really good return for him. And he's really panned it out. Uh, he really panned out. The second that he ended up taking the role, and he's excelled in the role, and I think he might end up getting another contract, and I think it's deserved. I think it's earned. Um, but Damian Lillard gets hurt. He's now out of the bubble. There's a break for the Lakers. They beat the Blazers. Here's another break. They were lucky enough to face off against Houston, the smallest team in the NBA, with James Harden and Russell Westbrook. Okay? And they ain't got no center. They have no tall play. They play more of this iso ball than anything else. That doesn't win you championships. And you can tell how Westbrook and Harden played. They could not get past Anthony Davis, and they couldn't even get past LeBron. There's a big break. How about another big break? Clippers losing to the, Den to the Denver Nuggets. Because all throughout the season, the Clippers were all over the Lakers. Kawhi, the claw, steals, blocks, in your face. The Lakers just couldn't even be able to answer back. But by the time that they were up in the bubble, they played him for a scrimmage game, and then um, Lakers came back to win it. But all throughout it, the Clippers, their chemistry, they fell apart. And then that's how Denver took advantage of it. And I rest my case with Jamal Murray. I think he's a hell of a shooter. I think he's a really good kid. And I put him there in the subject with Donovan Mitchell, Steph, Clay, and um, and Damian Lillard. And it's interesting, you know. And that's that's the kind of thing that, like, you know, <clears throat> when I look at certain shooters, Jamal Murray, <clears throat> he he definitely caught my attention. And now we're up to this point. Now, yes, Anthony Davis, I think he might not play tonight, so I think Denver might be able to sneak in another game. But let me ask you this. Out of all the players that we've seen over the years, and out of all of their impacts, whose impact is much bigger than LeBron's? Michael Jordan did it with one coach. He won championships with one coach. If the Lakers win the series to go into the NBA Finals, this will be LeBron's fifth coach in his career to ever getting into the Finals and possibly ending up winning a championship. And LeBron works with everybody. He works with everybody. He's like the chameleon. 
blend in with the cast that he has, even if it's not the greatest cast. But I'm telling you, I don't hear any more critics. I don't hear any more doubters or haters about LeBron. Because at this point, LeBron's pretty much proven to you, and he's shown you why he's the king, why he's the best at where he's at. And to me, the Lakers, I didn't anticipate this happening, but I'll never doubt LeBron because I know LeBron being the best in not only just in his position, but just where he is as a person and as a player. He'll make things happen, and he'll make things happen before your very eyes. And <laughs> that's just the movement of that's just his movement. That's just how his movement is. When he speaks, people will listen. When he plays, people will learn and they'll get acclimated to it. So uh, coming up next, so all throughout the season, we've been having a ton of injuries. And this is where I'm going to end up breaking it down because, of course, anticipating this happening because there was no preseason, this is why. I'm going to break all of that down, cold, hard facts, okay? Um, and also coming up, uh, I've also got my prime predictions at the bottom of the hour, so you guys don't want to end up missing that on the Snake Sports Talk Show. Be right back. So just like that, I had mentioned here at the start of the show that if you go online, you go online to the network, the spotlightsportsnetwork.com, search up your favorite merchandises from all of your favorite shows and all of your favorite hosts. And when you shop on the 28th of this month to October 1st, you get 15% off 
15% off all of your purchases. That's t-shirts, that's hats, that's masks, all, all you can name it. We have it. And in all different uh, sizes as well, go on to the spotlightsportsnetwork.com. Remember, 28th through the, uh, through the 1st of October, that's where you'll have your 15% off discount. And uh, shop your merch and get your merch today. And also show off your merch as well. Show us off and tag us at the Spotlight Sports Network. That's all over Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Love to love to see your guys' support, and um, love love to see your love to see you guys rep the network. We really do appreciate it. So, um, so you know what? This season has really had a lot of a lot of different news and different stories. I mentioned that already with Cam Newton because you know what? In in and this is the kind of interesting thing with Cam, because <clears throat> we all in life, we all in life, no matter what parts you know that we're in, we always hope for the one opportunity, wherever it may come from. You know, certain things don't work out. I mean, you have Cam that things didn't work out later on in Carolina. Ron Rivera was just getting tired of these inconsistencies of Cam, and then he eventually uh, he walks out. Now he's in now he's in Washington, and Cam now being in New England. And this is what's interesting because people are brought upon our lives for a reason. There are opportunities that are brought upon our lives for a reason, because maybe it's a second chance to really redeem ourselves, and it's just kind of how we see it. There are people in our lives that we talk to that the second you talk for them for a few minutes, it feels like it clicks for years. Same when it comes to relationships. The second you meet somebody who catches your attention, and then the second you just start talking, you're talking for days and for minutes and for hours, boom, clicks like that. Business opportunities. You get an opportunity somewhere that, you know, somewhere else it didn't work out in the past. And now you're just trying to find somewhere to redeem yourself and keep yourself busy. Boom. Happens just like that. And that's the kind of thing that we felt with Cam Newton. Cam got the opportunity. He needed structure. He found structure. And he's playing at his absolute best. And there are some teams that are just up out there that, you know, I... I thought this, these teams were going to be much, much better because there were a bunch of teams that I knew that were going to be in superior rebuild modes, and it was going to be interesting how the season would pan out for all of them. But, but here's the other case. Because we got a ton of injuries, all of them that, are, that all have to involve the lower body. All of it. Christian McCaffrey's out for a couple weeks. Saquon Barkley's out for the year. Lots of players are out for the year for torn ACLs, UCLs. It's terrible. But here's what's interesting about this. And yes, I, and you know, I'm a fantasy football owner myself. You know, I play it. I have a good group of uh, group of friends that I played for for years, and so I I enjoy it. I enjoy it. It's a lot of fun. Um, here's the thing. Because fantasy football owners, and I'm not sure, they're far and wide. They're already going like, oh, what? Saquon's out for the year. But a lot of the a lot of the players are, are suffering ACL injuries. That, they're all freaking out. They're all freaking out. And these were the same people, by the way, 
who basically turned to me and said, oh, Jake, why do we even have to have a preseason? These players are working out. They're fit. They're capable of anything. They ain't need a preseason. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of time. Uh, now you kind of understand how all these players, I get it, the pandemic hit, was not planned. And we're trying to make it work for the better. What's going on, Pat? You know, my thing is, is that without preseasons, understand the consequences you're getting yourselves into. And the NFL knows that. Roger Goodell knows that. All these player personnel, medical staffs, coaches, they all know that. Because again, the pandemic was never planned. It happened. They're trying to adjust to it. Okay, this whole season, now you're having a lot of injuries. And again, people boasting before the season about just get rid of the, the preseason. Really? No. Nah. Because think about it. Look at all of the rookies who are playing this year. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. They're playing lights out right now. And they didn't even have a preseason. Joe Burrow, what's interesting about this is that on a team that I have a lot of different expectations with and a team that is young, maybe a little bit inexperienced, but Joe Burrow, I mean, we thought he was going to end up coming in and he was going to be overwhelmed. I mean, last week, week two, he threw three touchdowns, no picks. Against a Cleveland team that just, you already know what Cleveland's stories is all about. I don't know what's going to happen with Baker Mayfield by the time we come into October, but I'm going to tell you right now, I feel like that if nothing gets done with Baker Mayfield, they're going to have to make a decision. And it's a decision he's not going to like. It's going to be interesting. And so when it comes to that, you have no preseason. You have no OTAs. And yet still, Burrow goes out. He throws three touchdowns, 300 uh, receiving or 300 passing yards, no touchdown or no picks. The kid's unbelievable. Justin Herbert, few minutes into the game, after finding out Tyrod Taylor now suffered a punctured lung because of a accidental mistake by the medical doctors injecting painkillers to him. Justin Herbert comes in and starts the game, and he's already got a rushing touchdown, passing touchdown, one pick, and 311 passing yards, and completed 22 of 33 passes. Th that's unbelievable, right? It's unbelievable. No preseason, no OTAs. These rookies are playing like this. And you would think, because without preseasons, these rookies would be overwhelmed. That doesn't seem to be the case. But here's my other defense. We cannot get mesmerized because of those rookies' performances. You still got to have a form of preseason. Because players got to get acclimated to those hits. Because right now, I mean, you already see how it's generated. Players don't really body up as much 
only in times where they have opportunities where you're going to have a secondary who's going to you know, throw a shoulder. He's going to hit you hard. But most of these players are going for the legs. They're going for the legs. And then you're seeing why Saquon Barkley, Nick Bosa, um, a lot of these players are suffering leg injuries. Because that's just been the change and the focus of the NFL. You're trying to stop the runs. You know a kid. This is not anything personal to any of these players. In fact, this is a form of respect because you realize that kid is fast. Lamar Jackson, he mesmerizes us all with his speed. You know, a lot of these runners, they're trying to stop the run. But here's my deal with the NFL season. This year, they needed to get the season going. But when you talk about abolishing the preseason completely, I think you'd be you'd be making a huge mistake. Because if we get through this whole season and we evaluate how much all these players suffered leg injuries, you're going to think back, oh, maybe that was why we had a preseason. Because this would have been my proposal. I would have, I said this multiple times. Cut the preseason to two games. Two. Because here's how I would have shaped it. One week you have pre, the first preseason game, right? You got practices and then you got the, pre, the preseason. The next week following, you have OTAs and practices. Continue to practice. Continue to get acclimated to those tackles and to those hits. And keep yourself healthy and fit. Then by that following week, you would have, then have the second preseason game. And we'll be ready to go by the season. Because at least you have an amount of time where players will get acclimated to hits. And we won't have to see guys like Saquon Barkley or like Christian McCaffrey or Nick Bosa or a lot of these other players who are suffering lower body injuries. And I hope the people in the back who are sitting there on the bar side who just love football, they got that machismo stereotype type of thing. Oh, come on, you got to body up. You got to be the bigger man in this situation. So does that make me a bigger man the second that I tear my ACL? <laughs> come on, let's be reasonable, guys. Think about it. The same people who boasted and talked about abolishing the preseason. And now you're freaking out. Because all these players, yeah, Von Miller, another perfect example, is out for the year. Messed up his Achilles. <laughs> I just tell him, like, look, the second I hear this kind of irrelevant stuff, just drink your beer. Just drink your beer. Don't even talk to me. It's just nothing but boasts. <laughs> I look for relevant talks. <laughs> all right, time now for the hot press. It's cooking up big time. So, um, so here's some exciting news, and we got it for baseball because a lot of play, a lot of teams now are starting to punch their tickets into uh, the postseason. Uh, just recently, we found out that the Miami Marlins have punched their ticket into the playoffs on a shortened season after last year finishing up the season with 105 losses. They finally punched their ticket into the play into the postseason. Good for good for uh, Miami. 
Um, we know with the shortened season, this is going to be interesting. A lot of players are going to be well-rested. They're going to be ready to go. And I'm not exactly sure how the postseason is going to carry it, but I think it's going to be fun. Um, but congratulations to the Miami Marlins. You snapped that 105 loss um, season from there. Um, but uh, but yeah, the, 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 it's, a big, it's a big hit. It's a big hit. So uh, the Dallas Stars last night, um, they obviously lost five to four in overtime. It was a back and forth battle between them and the Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, the Stars, of course, were upset with the OT penalty, uh, but they basically put this in quotes, it's the playoffs. And, you know, and sometimes it's true. I thought it was a great game. Dallas came up with some serious fire in the first period. Scored up two goals. Joe Pavelski ended up coming up with one goal himself. And John Klingberg, again, the defense continues to show up. But again, it's almost nearly impossible to stop the Lightning's offensive regime. When you've got Nikita Kucherov, Steven Stamkos is now 100% healthy. And you've got Braden Point, who right now is he's breaking records. He is making things happen. And so it'll be interesting to see how the rest of it will go. But the Lightning now... They won last night 5-4 to four in overtime, and by game five, who knows? Will Dallas survive, or will the Stanley Cup be hoisted by Tampa Bay? And I anticipated, you know, Tampa Bay, they were going to make it in, and a lot of people doubted, and a lot of people were like, well, what about last season? Last season was an embarrassment. They had a chip on their shoulder, and they're showing you exactly why. So and they're in this position. So we'll see. We'll see how the rest of this this series goes from here. Um, so um, so of course the NBA, Boston Celtics, um, they relaxed and they took they actually looked much better in the second half. They took control. Uh Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were the big time uh catalysts through that second half of the game uh and ended up beating uh the Miami Heat. And they survive. They beat them 120, 121 to a 108 victory. And they stay alive to force a game six. And so we'll see exactly what will happen here in this game. But I'm telling you, like Boston, I cannot give up on them too much. But it is a great series. I mean, Miami's coming up with some serious fire themselves. Jimmy Buckets. Um, but Boston, I mean, I, I, I can't. I can't really eliminate them out of the picture that easily. I mean, they're a team that they are ready to go. They're ready for anything. And I think they got some energy left in them. And so Boston, we'll see what happens. Um, and let's just see, let's just see exactly what, what, what will go on. So uh, finally, you know, this isn't the first time you know, again and again, we've had broadcasters, we've had analysts, we've had writers. This whole year has just been strange. But so uh, Tom Brenneman. So Tom Brenneman is a broadcaster of the Cincinnati Reds. So he resigned games after using an anti-gay slur. What is wrong with you guys? What is wrong with you people? I understand sometimes, you know, it's a little bit frustration. You get cringe, like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
but you understand, and this is basically how the world and society all works. Okay, when you're on the microphone, when you're on the camera, you got to be as professional as you possibly can. Okay, and whatever sparks up in your mind, keep that to yourself. Because the second you end up spitting out something completely ridiculous, and and, and all this, again, we're all entitled to our, we're, we all have our own opinions. We all have our opinions about certain things, but um, but it's interesting. And so this is what uh, Brenneman ended up saying uh, from here. And this is one month after he used it. So uh, my family and I have decided that I am going to step away from my role as the television voice of the Cincinnati Reds. I would like to thank the Reds, Reds fans, and the LGBTQ community for the incredible support and grace they have shown my family and me. Um, so this was on August 19th when he had slur moments um, during the after returning from a commercial break at the top of the 7th and then realized it, and then he later on apologized. And so um, he was very sorry of it, and you know now he steps down from it respectfully. So again... You know, it's not easy when you're behind television and you're behind microphones. You just you just have to stay professional. That's the only thing that I can really say from that. I mean, this is again, this is another same story that I'm just hearing left and right. And it's like, people, do you not know how to hold your tongues? Do you not know exactly how to just, you know, cloud all this stuff away, keep it to yourself and not spit something ridiculous out? It's it's interesting. It's absolutely interesting. So that was your hot press. Coming up next, the best part at the bottom of the hour. It's my NFL Prime Predictions, week three. You know, last week, I ended up winning 12 games from there. Made a huge improvement. It was much better than week one. But of course, week one is always a lot of uncertainties. So um, I'm going to give you my guys, my prime predictions here at the bottom of the hour. You don't want to miss that snake sports talk show.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I do appreciate all of you guys tuning in here on a beautiful Saturday morning in the Vegas Valley. Um, if you haven't done so already, like the network, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all social media platforms. Follow us also on Spotify for all of this podcast episodes and um, follow us on Twitch. We've got a Twitch account. You're actually viewing me currently. You're seeing my face. What's going on, Jamar, uh, Jamar Games? Appreciate you coming on. Um, and also, subscribe to the YouTube channels, the Snake Sports Talk Show, and the home of it, the Spotlight Sports Network. Hit the like button. Hit the bell button for all the latest notifications for shows like myself and for also all of my other colleagues. we got great shows on a weekly basis. You guys don't end up wanting to miss that. So before I start, with the prime predictions, we do have UFC 253 in Abu Dhabi, Fight Island. I'm excited about that one. It's Israel Adesanya against Paulo Costa for the middleweight championship. This is tough. <laughs> this is going to be a tough one, but I'm very excited about this fight. Um, Paulo Costa, as we all know, possesses a lot of upper body strength, does have a lot of upper body power. Um, he's the type of guy that the second that you get caught, um, in one, one move, he'll knock you out. You know that's the that's the type of that's the type of fighter that that he is, and the type of power he possesses. So, but here's the other difference maker: Israel Adesanya. You know, the last style bender. He's a guy that knows how to move. He knows how to move his legs. He knows how to move his body. Uh, so he's more about the ground game. But when he finds a hole, I mean, he'll take advantage of it. We've seen that in so many fights. And both these fighters are undefeated. Only one of them will go away with their first loss. And who knows? Who knows who it may be? But if you had to ask me who I'm going to end up taking in the fight and in what rounds, I feel like this is going to be it. all five rounds. All five rounds. If you get lucky enough, it may be a decision, but I'm going to lean toward the last style bender. I'm going to go with Israel Adesanya in this fight because even though I love Paulo Costa, I really do. But in these types of fights, when you've got somebody, we saw this earlier with Jorge Masvidal and Camaro Usman. Camaro Usman is a big time ground game shaker. And Masvidal only had one specific version of himself that was all upper body strength. That's what he's known for. I feel like in this fight, now Costa seems a little bit more athletic and a little bit more agile. And I think he may try to acclimate to the ground game, but I just feel like it may get too much. I think this is probably one of the best evenly matched up fights um, tonight. But I feel like Adesanya might end up taking advantage of, of that ground game. I think he's going to take advantage of the ground game. So that's how, where I'm going with. I'm going with Adesanya in UFC 253. And um, it's going to go all the way to five rounds. All the way to five rounds. I think that's fair enough. So here we go again. It's that time at the end of the hour. It's my prime predictions. Here we go.
So this is going to be an interesting matchup. You got the L.A. Rams against the Buffalo Bills, and they're in Buffalo. It's cold weather. I liked how... I liked how the Rams started off. They started off on a good foot. They're 2-0, same with the Buffalo Bills. But if you had to ask me the matchup I'm taking, I'm taking the Buffalo Bills here in this game. Minus two, cold weather, Buffalo. Um, they, they've been strong at home. They've been strong at home. And by the way, Josh Allen, what's going on, d &E? What's happening? Um, Josh Allen has been strong to his case this year in 2020. He's been throwing a lot more touchdowns. People didn't believe he had a deep ball throw. Well, he does. They just didn't have the right wide receiver. Stefan Diggs, add him into the mix. Buffalo looks like a really, really tough offensive team. And Sean McDermott, who knows how to control the defense, the defense looks real set. Um, and I think it's going to cause a lot of problems for Jared Goff. Um, I think this is going to be a close enough game. I'm going to swallow the, the minus two here in this one, and I'm going to take Buffalo to win. 27-24 against the Rams. So, of course, as everybody knows, it's difficult to beat the Patriots on the road in Foxborough. I'm taking New England at minus five and a half. Listen, the Raiders looked really interesting in the last two weeks being 2-0. and They caused a lot of problems for Drew Brees. And here's what's interesting about this. Drew Brees didn't even get a whole lot of pressures against that Raider defense. And that's where the Saints were in trouble. But Derek Carr and the offense really took advantage of New, uh, New Orleans' struggles. But you're coming into a game in Foxborough. I like what I see out of Cam Newton this year. He's poised. He's focused. This is the type of structure that I absolutely love in uh, in Cam Newton this year. So, and, and New England, in that last game against Seattle, it was a back-and-forth battle, and it got all the way to the one-yard line. That's all it did, and Seattle won out that game. It's crazy. But I'm going to take New England. I'm going to take New England at that minus 5.5. Yes, I'm sure I'm going to piss off my pops. I'm going to piss off my, uh, my, my colleague who's a diehard Raider fan. I'm going to piss off a lot of these Raider fans. But again, it's reasonable because I know that as a fan, as a Charger fan, it's it's difficult to beat New England in Foxborough. I'm going to take it a 27-20 score. New England wins this game. So, of course, the Washington football team, they end up going into Cleveland. Um, and I think it's going to be an interesting game, but it's two different, you know, two young quarterbacks battling it out. I'm going to take Cleveland here minus seven. Listen. Washington, I know it's they've been a really, really interesting and yet a good football team, and they needed something to get this team going. And I think that they've really kind of shaped themselves up pretty good. They're still a rebuilding franchise. But Cleveland, this is where I'm going to put all the pressure on Baker Mayfield because Baker needs to get something going, and he needs to be better than where he's at right now. But I feel like this is the opportunity. If Baker Mayfield does not take advantage of this game against Washington. I feel like Cleveland, they're going to be held accountable for their pick. And then they're going to look back at, maybe this wasn't exactly our quarterback that we wanted. So this is what's going to be big pressure on him. So 
I will take Cleveland to win this game 28-21, but Baker Mayfield needs to come out with some serious fire. And I, I, again, I'm not sleeping completely on Cleveland, but I need them to be better than where they are um, as of right now. So, of course, you already know the mess on um, on Houston. Houston is an absolute mess. And you're on the road in Pittsburgh against that defensive front seven. Uh, Deshaun Watson, I think, is just going to get annihilated. I think he's just going to get bounced around, pushed around everywhere. I'm going to take Buffalo or I'm going to take uh, Pittsburgh minus four here in this game at home. Uh, listen, uh, throughout this whole thing, the uh, the offensive line for the Houston Texans have been horrible, and it's not given uh, Deshaun Watson enough time to throw the football. The offense has been bad. Uh, yeah, seven points is a lot. Now, to me personally, like I chose the pick, but to me personally, I would not. If I'm a bet guy, I wouldn't even I wouldn't even bet on that game. It's a ter- it's a terrible number. It's a terrible number. Um, but. Uh, but in this Pittsburgh game, I do think that the defensive front seven is going to show up. They're going to cause Deshaun Watson a lot of problems. I'm going to give Buffalo or uh, Pittsburgh. Why do I keep saying Buffalo? Damn it. Um, I'm going to give Pittsburgh 27-21. I still do think Deshaun Watson can make some plays, but I think he's just he's just going to get shut down all throughout the game. All right, folks. You're pro- I'm going to probably get some pushback for a couple of reasons. But I don't care because this is exactly the pick that I think is going to be the upset. I'm going to take the Giants plus three and a half against San Francisco. I know a lot of people are going to give me pushback up on this, but you have to let me give a a chance to explain. Uh, San Francisco, I know, still does have some real good defensive pieces. And I know they've got a run game with Raheem Mostert. But I feel like the Giants at home, they got to come away with something. I know Joe Judge right now, they, they, like both the New York teams don't look solid. They don't. But you lose Saquon Barkley. Now you got to find a way to win these games. And you got to put the ball in Daniel Jones's hands. And I think that if you do, he'll make something special out of it. And you're at home. This is a perfect opportunity to take advantage of it because San Francisco's banged up. They're banged up left and right. It's hard to really kind of predict how San Francisco is going to play out, but I did pick the Giants here in this one at three and a half, and I think the finishing score will be 24-21, close game, but the Giants are going to pull this one off. San Francisco, the only thing that you can hope for is majority of your players come back healthy and get ready for the next couple of games ahead. What's going on, Butcher Block? Appreciate you coming on, man. I hope you know that I picked the Patriots to win against the Raiders. So just wanted to just wanted to catch up to speed with you on that. Um, okay, I think Keen the building is gonna hate me for, for picking this because yes, this is that one game that you're talking about, and I don't know how this is gonna escalate. I really hope Philadelphia wins, but you know what? I'm gonna take Cincinnati plus five in this game because listen, Philadelphia is coming up with a lot of um, complications, injuries. It's just become unlucky for Philadelphia. And at the same time, you got Carson Wentz that I don't even know what's going on with him. Um, 
again, I don't underestimate a franchise quarterback like that who I know can pick himself up. But I'm looking at Joe Burrow in these last two weeks. Cincinnati needed a game. They need a game. Even though that those two losses were not big on Joe Burrow and it was more of just a team effort, but Joe Burrow, he's been looking he's been looking really interesting throughout this whole season. And so I've got good hopes for Cincinnati to pull this off at plus five. Um, on the road, Philadelphia, it's not as rowdy, no crowds. I mean, if you if you're if you got Philadelphia with all of their, you know, with all their fans and you know, wild and rowdy. It would be different. I feel like Joe Burrow would be shook up, but because of you know the pandemic, it's given him a break. Plus five on this one. I'm going 28-23. Cincinnati's going to pull it off on the road. But listen, if Philly wins, hey, that's good. That's good luck. That's good hopes. That's hopes keeping up. So I'm going to go with that. 28-23. Cincinnati wins it. All right, so the Vikings, you already know. Kirk Cousins looks like an absolute mess. I mean, Captain Kirk, he is not leading this enterprise to any wins whatsoever right now, especially with the way that he's playing. But I'm taking the Tennessee Titans at minus two and a half here in this game on the road. Look, Tennessee, last week, Derrick Henry was held up a like short amount of yards. But Ryan Tannehill, who I had some complications and some interesting thoughts on him, he pretty much put the money where my mouth is. Four touchdown passes last week, and he's living up to the contract. Tannehill, I think, really fits this system. He fits Mike Vrabel's system, and I think the offense is looking much, much better. The defense is looking stronger. Um, and I think Tennessee right now looks like a real tough team right now. So I'm going to go with the Titans 27-23. You are still on the road in Minnesota, but I do think Tennessee will be able to pull this off. They'll get through it, and Tennessee will end up winning this game. Okay, I think my colleagues probably are not going to talk to me all week. I don't think they're going to talk to me at least the next couple of days. Um, you've got the Bears at the Falcons. I'm going to take the Atlanta Falcons minus three here in this one. Look, I love what Mitch Trubisky has done in the last two weeks of the fourth of the fourth quarters. He's been coming up very, really, really clutch, um, and I feel like that that's kind of been the limitation for the Bears. But I feel like that this team's going to be, I feel like this team's going to be limited all throughout this game on the road in Atlanta. By the way, the Falcons, just because of that ugly loss to Dallas, they put up some points. I mean, they you know they put up. X amount of points. Todd Gurley, Matt Ryan, they were going off. Um, so Atlanta's got some real good offensive pieces. Now, the defense is going to be very questionable about holding up guys like Trubisky, but because of a limited offense like Chicago has, it's going to be interesting to see where this game flows. But I'm going to go with Atlanta 30-23 to 23 because I just think that you know their offense really clicked at that point. You, again, look at, again, you look at Dallas. The defensive secondaries is horrible. How can you come away with the win and still give up 39 points last week? That's just one that just does not make sense. It scratches my head. But I'm going to go with Atlanta here, 30 to 23. 
Okay, this one I think is going to be a no-brainer. I feel like that this is just a dud of a game, and I feel like the Colts are obviously going to win it. 11 and a half. I'm going to pick the Colts here to win 33-17 to 17 against the Jets. Look, this is going to be a game that Adam Gase is going to be ready to show himself the door, and he's just going to, you know, he he's done. I, I you know, I look at this Colts team. Colts, they still are learning each other. Phillip Rivers still trying to better himself, uh, but I think that this team, um, I think that this team is going to do much, much better. And, th- and look, this is a dud. This is a dud here, you know. And and uh, looking at the Colts, uh, this is also a second game I don't bet on. It's eleven and a half. It's a lot of points. That's a lot of points. You're trying to guarantee me. It's ridiculous. But I'm going to go with a 33-17 um, win over the Jets. I think the Colts will pull it off. Okay, so now that I've got everybody's attention after last week's start, and yes, despite it being a loss, I hope all of you understand what I'm seeing from this team. I'm taking the Chargers minus 6.5 against Carolina. Here's the problem with Carolina. They are without Christian McCaffrey for the next couple of weeks due to a leg injury. And I feel like, and listen, this defensive front has been causing teams a lot of problems. They caused Joe Burrow problems. They caused Patrick Mahomes problems. I feel like this defense is going to cause Teddy Bridgewater a lot of problems. It's a young developing team. Matt Rule, I think, still has a lot really to work on. But... It's not to say that this team is capable of scoring points because they are, um, but I feel like the Chargers are going to take advantage of their opportunities. And Justin Herbert, last week, the debut, 22 of 33, 311 passing yards, two touchdowns, one pick. The kid's here. The future's here. The Chargers, it's looking bright for them. And so I feel like the Chargers will definitely win this game at home and I'm going to give it a reasonable score, 28-20. Chargers walk away with this one, and I think this is the best. This is probably the best version of the Chargers that I would ever see reasonably. So tough lucks are happening for the Denver Broncos, of course, as they're without Drew Locke, and they're without Cortland Sutton for the rest of the year. Um, Drew Locke, of course, we're, we're waiting a couple of weeks to see how he uh, performs, but I'm taking Tampa Bay here on the road, minus five and a half in mile high. I know it's a tough game because it's different elevation, but at the same time, Tom Brady, he's used to this kind of thing. Is He's no stranger when it comes to the AFC. So he understands the game plan. He understands the game flow, and I think he's going to take full advantage of it. By the way, I mean, the offense looked so much better, but maybe not just to look at the offense. But the defense, I thought, played a solid game. Some people may not have looked at it that way, but I thought the defensive secondaries played pretty good. And I also do think that the linebacking core also stayed strong on their defensive fronts. I'm taking Tampa Bay 27-21 over the Broncos on the road. Tom Brady comes back into the AFC, and I think he's going to end up taking it by surprise. And again, I think this is going to be really, really good. Good game for Tampa Bay. So I think everybody's kind of loving what the look of the Arizona Cardinals are at right now. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins last week had 22 receptions, and it's been two games. It's been two games, and this offense is clicking. So I'm taking the Arizona Cardinals at home against Detroit. 
uh, Detroit right now is just an absolute mess. This is kind of just a throw-in game for Arizona. It's looking real good. I think it's going to be interesting, but I do believe that the Arizona Cardinals are going to walk away 28-17. This offense right now is starting to click at the right time. And listen, when DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray just click like that for 22 receptions in two weeks, this is probably a relationship that's meant to be. So I like this matchup. 28-17, Cardinals win. All right, so this, I think, is going to be the determining factor game. Dak Prescott versus Russell Wilson. And Dak Prescott wants a Russell Wilson contract. He ain't going to get it. I think Seattle's going to win this game at home. Russell Wilson is playing his absolute best. Nine passing touchdowns, no picks. I mean, he's playing out of his mind, and he's utilizing everybody. That's the type of player Russell Wilson is. When you give Russ the football, that was the one thing that I mentioned about Seattle. Give Russ the football. What is what is it? What is the saying that Seattle is used now? Let Russ cook. And he's cooking. He's cooking big time. Nine passing touchdowns, no picks. I mean, the, I mean, he, he he's playing on a on a whole different level. He's making an MVP candidate of himself. So I'm going to take the Seahawks because, listen, last week for Dallas, they gave up 39 points. And you're facing against Russell Wilson on the road in Seattle who's playing out of his mind. You're going to give Russ all these points. You're going to give up all these points. I don't care what your offense looks like. Okay, I don't care how flashy that the house looks like for Dallas. But it's not going to look good for them. I'm going to make it a 30-23 to 23 win. Seattle wins it here in this game at home. All right, so you got the Sunday night game. That's the Packers and the Saints. And you know what? I've been seeing an awful lot of struggles out of New Orleans right now, even in that game last week against the Raiders. I'm going to take the underdog Packers at plus three on the road in New Orleans. Listen, it would be a different story if all the fans were there in New Orleans in the Superdome. They hype up all their players and including Drew Brees. But right now, Drew Brees, he looks like he's in trouble right now. Four picks already. He's looking like Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins already got four picks all in two weeks. And I'm not sure how this offense is going to play out. Michael Thomas was sidelined last week. You had Emmanuel Sanders. I'm not sure what to think right now of, of New Orleans, but man, when you look at Green Bay, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is on a mission. He's on a mission to prove people wrong. He's got a big chip on his shoulder, and he's actually been playing really, really good. Him and Aaron Jones. I think they both have been big-time catalysts. Devontae Adams, uh, Marquez Vandal, um, Valdez Scandling. I think the Packers are going to end up winning this game at plus three. I'm giving it 27-24. Don't kid yourselves. I think Drew Brees will find ways to rebound himself, but I do think the Packers are going to take this away on, on the road. Oh, man, the Monday night game. This is like the game we've all waited for. Chiefs and Patrick Mahomes against Baltimore and Lamar Jackson, and you're in Baltimore. This is going to be interesting to watch. I'm going to take the Ravens here at minus three and a half. Look, I love this game. I love this game. It's offensive firepowers. 
Look, we saw this with, you know, the Chiefs and the Rams at one point with Jared Goff and Patrick Mahomes, and we're getting it again. We're getting Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson on the same field. I think this is going to be a lot of fun. Offensive powerhouses, you know, there's going to be a lot of deep ball throws. There's going to be a lot of running. Uh, but I feel like Baltimore is going to survive and they're going to end up taking this game away. I'm taking the Ravens 28-24 against Kansas City. I think they're going to walk away with this at home. Look, it's it, like in some parts like New England, it's tough to beat Baltimore at home uh, when you're in the regular season. It's different when it's in playoffs, but I think this is going to be a really good game and I think the Ravens are going to pull this off, 28-24. So I've got a couple underdogs. I got a couple underdogs here in this one. I take the underdog Giants. I took the underdog Packers. But I just, for whatever reason, oh, and the underdog uh, Bengals. Took the underdog Bengals. But I do have an awful lot of favorites. I do have an awful lot. This is this week has just been nothing but favorite. Like, you know, it's a favorites week. That's kind of what it's looked like right now. Um, but I do like the favorites. So I got the Bills. I got the Patriots, the Browns, Steelers, Giants, Bengals, um, Titans, Falcons, Colts, Chargers, Bucks, Cardinals, Seahawks, Packers, and Ravens that I'm taking all throughout this week. So um, it's going to be interesting. I love these picks. But I, I, I'm actually kind of confident in week three. I think week three is going to be big-time superior back, uh, superior um rebound. So I think this is going to be really, really good. All righty, guys. Thank you so much for joining me here on the show. And by the way, don't forget to join the morning show tomorrow with yours truly. And with a bunch of all of my good colleagues at the spotlight sports network, we will have our NFL Sunday countdown and we'll have all of our pickums as well. And I will even share my prime predictions as well up on the show. You guys don't want to end up missing that. Thanks for joining in. Hope to see you guys tomorrow morning. Yeah.